No one else could tell me no. So I went in there and got it done. The biggest advice I'll give to you is not how many friends you got, it's what they give. Have you done crowd surfing in your wheelchair yet? I'm generally late once or twice a day. That's on a good day. Have you met someone? I was like, yeah, there's a guy in the kitchen. Hello and welcome to a brand new podcast. This is Taking the Diss with the Knights Foundation Youth Ambassadors. Delighted to be joined by Callum, Milo, Lewis and Sophia. Hello, guys. Hello. So we had some fun doing some podcasts and just really messing around. And they've only gone and let us do a proper one. Not another one. Another one. Another one. DJ Khaled. I like that. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll try and get DJ Khaled on, on the episode <laughs> soon. What was that? We'll write that down in the guest list. <laughs> it was because it was another one. Yeah. You, ha- you, you were doing a different meme. Okay, let's, let's, you know what, go with it. Well, it's been, a, it's been a time since we've all been together and um, a lot has changed just as we came into this room today. Um, noticing people with very different appearances. Callum. Hello. Sophia. Hello. Um, I've only been inked, not, nothing else. You've been inked? What's going on? Yeah, I've got some tattoos, three tattoos, broke the bank account, left home, and we got off the rails and went to Plymouth and it all went wrong. Talk us through these tattoos. What's going on? Why did you get them done? Well, I, why did I get them done? I've always wanted tattoos. My mum and dad have loads of tattoos, or my dad does, I guess. No one else could tell me no. So I went in there and got it done. Do you know what I love about tattoos is you never really knew, know what they are. So I think we should do a bit of a guessing game. Um, so your tats, well, just for the listener's benefit, they are on your arms. They We're are, not yeah. just asking you to get them all out. But let's see what you've got and if we can work out what they are. So let's go right forearm first. What is this? Uh, Milo, you can have first guess on this. Uh, golden Gecko Climbing Place. There's a climbing place, Golden Gecko. Um, that's to do with... I that, know what that's to do with. Isn't that to do with your pet... Um, if you got bearded dragon, is that maybe the, the, the right the yeah, right terminology? Maybe. Bearded dragon, I can't remember. I do have a bearded dragon, yeah. Is that in correspondence with that? It's slightly. So I've got um a reptile mom for the pet, and then I didn't really do this intentionally, but I realised my mum and dad both have one as well. So mm. I was like, you know what? Matching them, I guess. We have different styles of it, but. It's like a family thing. Yeah. It's quite cute. My sister had to get one now. Otherwise she'd be left out. So how many have you got all together, Callum? i got a three. Okay, so we've guessed number one. Sophia, what, can you guess what another one? What What is the next one? What's number two? It looks like a map. Yeah. This is the world map on my wrist. Geometric map. That's cool. That's, yeah. that's so cool. And that one I did... I decided to put on my arm about 12 hours before I went and got it. So it was a bit of a spontaneous moment. I, I needed to get my reptile touched up because some of the ink was coming out, which is free. So I went in there and I went, actually, I don't mind paying for another one if you do it. And I had to, I said, yeah, sure. What do you want? So I said, the world map. Love it. So we've got a world map, a reptile, and one more. Need to roll my sleeve up for this one. Alright. Lewis, can you see? Is that a lion? It's close. 
Is it Italian? Yeah, it's Italian. Same thing. Geometric Italian. And then that one's actually got some meaning to it. It means strength. It's actually inspired by Sophia's. Why is it so, why is it inspired by Sophia? Why do you want to take it away? Why why? What's your tattoo about? Um, so my tattoo I've always known that I wanted to get a tattoo, but I've had to do some persuading with my parents first. I always knew that I wanted my tattoos to have meaning because they are on you for life. And it just seemed poignant to get one that represented my disability because that is with me for life. So that was my first one. So what I've got is I've got my disability awareness symbol for cerebral palsy in a vine of flowers. And then I've got a saying that um, someone very special in my life used to say to me when I came out of surgery. I've got that written underneath. What does it say? It says, I can and I will. Love that. Any more plans for tattoos around the room? Uh, actually, we've got a budding artist, Milo. Uh, well, I'm quite close to one of my dogs, Peggy. Um, I want to get a paw print of hers. You'll draw that yourself? I don't know. I'm not sure. I haven't thought about it yet. Um, actually, you just got a tattoo, Lewis, while we were yeah, just getting ready. Yeah, I got it ready. like, what, like half an hour ago? 20 what, minutes that must hurt. Yeah. yeah, it's still got the like, saran wrap around it, or the theme from around it. Uh, yeah, yeah Milo did that, actually, to be fair. Good on him. Yeah. Um, on one leg, I've got the words, out of action, because obviously I'm in a wheelchair. They don't work. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a stand-up comedian, but it's probably not going to work, because at this rate, so... Yeah. And you had an award-winning artist... Who, oh yeah, yeah. So I had um, had Milo do it. Yeah, he just you know just got a pen out, just did it. You know, just you off, needle, off the, off the top of the head. Just yeah, the artistry was incredible. It's oh. been nice getting to know your tattoos, but of course, actually, there is a little bit of a story behind this. Obviously, Sophia, you mentioned about needing to win over the parents to get the tattoos done. You've done it, Callum, as you've gone off to uni. Yeah. It's got independence written all over it and mm-hmm. making those decisions how is uni because last time we spoke you were just getting ready to go uni is good i like living away from home nice and peaceful besides the fact that like my room is built on a building site so that's not so peaceful but besides that i'd love it live in devon always wanted to live in devon been all over the place been to cornwall and been different parts of devon Easy, just hop on a train, hop in the car, because i got my car. I'm an adventurer now. An adventurer. Sophia, how are you finding it? I mean, it's been the first time I've been out of Southampton, because I'm born and bred in Southampton for like 19 years. So it's different. I love it. And it's very weird coming back now, because there's, you're almost in two minds, as in you want to come home because you're homesick, but then equally when you come home, you're living under your parents' rules. And you've got your own rules when you're at uni. So that's a bit different. But I've already had a bunch of experiences, which I'm sure you'll hear about. How's the food? The food at uni. I did have a package that um, meant that I could get food from the uni. That was awful. <laughs> so we cancelled that. And I've now got an air fryer in my room. So I'm on a student budget. But are you actually a good cook? Um can't say I am, but I'm learning slowly. I think I can cook a piece of toast right now. Have you burned down your accommodation yet? Not yet, no. Good. I'm actually uh, quite surprised. Well, that's that's no, I've had about like 10 fire alarms and I've been there, what, three, four months? I had one at 4am. 
at the worst thing ever. Are you, do you I, have housemates? I'm not in my own. I had a self-contained flat. Oh, okay. It's in the same building as other people. Before I am, had to get out of bed. Imagine me, yeah, connected to all the equipment. And wake up and realise the room is flashing red because the fire alarm like your room up red. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on there? I look at my phone, it's 4am, and then my PA comes into the room. Obviously we had to get out. I'm not like half asleep. I'd rather just burn at this point. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't advise and that. I got in my chair and whatnot. I was about to leave the front door and the fire alarm turned off. And I went, happy days. I am now in my chair at 4am. Fire alarm turned off. Everyone's gone back. And I woke up for nothing. I mean, I've got a bit of a different story, not to do with fire alarms, but I live with nine flatmates. And they're all a bit rowdy. I mean, I don't think they've had a night off from going out since we got to Reading. So they come in at like 7am in the morning, but I'm right next to the communal kitchen. So they all rush into the kitchen and... My flatmate's playing on his speaker. It's an experience, I can tell you that much. 7am in the morning, wide awake. Got to get up at, well, 7.30 for my lecture at 9. And it's like, OK, we're doing this today. A lot of coffees, I can tell you that much. Milo, your face then. Sophia was like, I've got nine housemates. You're like, what? Yeah. And then, <laughs> 7 in the morning? There's two sevens in a day? Yeah, I have to go up later than that. Can't deal with that. Take us back to that first day, leaving home for the first time. What was it like? I mean, I was actually, like, really excited. Uh, We packed it up. I got in my electric chair, went down. Mum and Dad packed up the cars, and I met them down at the the uni, got the train down. Got there, and everything was really welcoming. Some of my flatmates had already moved in. I remember going in and I came back out and I had a big smile on my face and my mum was like, have you met someone? I was like, yeah, there's a guy in the kitchen. And she was like, do you like him? I was like, I don't know, he's my flatmate. But that was one of the first experiences and then I met a couple of the girls, which was really nice, and we all went down and got our campus cards together. I think it was very difficult though because me and Dad have this different relationship to me me and Mum. So Dad was like, go on, have fun. And me and Mum just looked at each other and we both got really like, upset. But I remember Mum left a little... I had one of those like post-it notes. And Mum wrote a little post-it note and stuck it on my wall, which I didn't see until she left. So that was lovely. It just said, love you, Seth. We miss you so, so much. And she'd still been with me. She'd left about 15 minutes ago. But the point is that it was there and I could look at it when I got homesick. Um, our first day was well weird because... And for me, it felt a bit more gradual. Like, I have family that live, like, an hour away from Plymouth. So I went and stayed at my nan's for, like, four days beforehand just to get stuff there because four hours you've got to, like, move your whole house to somewhere else and then into the flat that you're going to live in. And it was good. Like, I was excited, like, Sophia. When I got there, I did my flat up, went out, explored the place. But, like, my parents were still, like, around. They went, stayed at my nan's for, like, three more days. So it was all right, but it was weird when I knew when they were going home. And I was like, oh, they're going four hours home now. And I will not see them until, like, two months. And that was weird, but I didn't... Because they went home from my nan, I, I didn't see that. Like, them leaving as such. 
No, I'm just weird knowing, oh, they're probably at home now, four hours away. But I wasn't, I wasn't too nervous or anything. i tell you what was weird. I mean, I hadn't seen my brother. So I said goodbye to my brother before I left, and I literally just saw him like two days ago. I haven't seen him, and it was really weird, because obviously mum and dad woke up near Reading. It's about a half-hour drive, um, when that animal travel up. But it's weird how much you take for granted, like, with my brother, he's like, oh, you're right, Soph? I think I actually saw him once because I came home. I had fresh as flu. And I came home and he, got, he went to me, God, you look like death. I was like, all right, nice to see you half. Thanks for that. And we hadn't seen each other since. And when I came home, he gave me a massive hug. It's stuff like that that I take for granted. Like, I've seen my mum and stuff, but I actually really have missed my brother, which has been a bit weird. When you're listening to the guys talking, is there anything you're thinking about that you would be worried about, about going to uni or leaving home that you might want to see how they dealt with it? I mean, I don't. I know everyone might say this, but getting lost on the, like, around there. But I, that's, that's what most people say on, like, first day and things. But that's it. I've got a funny story about getting lost. So I had to go to, because we, I study law. So we have a law house and we had to go there and do an introduction to our academic tutors. And I put it in on Google Maps and it said that I'd go through the woods. And I was like, right, okay, this is an experience. And I got to the woods and I don't know where I was and I phoned mum and I was like, mum, I'm lost. I can't go meet my academic tutor. It's in an old building somewhere. I don't know where I am. And she was like, don't worry, I've got your, find my iPhone. And she found where I was in the middle of the woods and somehow from home directed me to where I needed to go, which is a really fun experience. Technology is helpful, right? Yeah. We hope you're enjoying the show. Now, if you're listening to us on your favourite podcast platform, please press the follow button to make sure each new episode appears in your feed. I mean, especially like with college at the moment, I, I don't get judged, but like people look at me in a strange way. They're not like, like look, look at that kid, or they're just like, oh, I was wheelchair, like, and stuff like that, because I have my little motorbike thing on the t- like, attached to the front of my wheelchair. And I think like fitting in would be quite hard, because I'm pretty much the only one in the wheelchair at college, so I can't imagine what it's like, like at uni when there's like more than a thousand people on campus or whatever, I don't, don't know. But yeah, like, I think it would be good like when I get to, like especially with college, like now that I've got mates that I, I know and hang out with all the time, like, we, we get on like a house on fire. Um, so I think like once I've done that, it'll be so easy. Like So for instance, me and my mates decided to do a pit stop with me in my wheelchair. So they tried to lift me up like a metre off the ground and yeah, they dropped me. Um, so that hurt and then they did it again and they didn't drop me. Well, actually no, that's a lie. They did it three times, two times they dropped me. The second time they dropped me, they thought both wheels were on. Turns out only one wheel was on, so I flopped over onto my side. Um, so yeah, like it's good to be able to have have those people around you. Um, and I think like if I do go to university and if I do find those people, it'll be a lot easier. But like just getting to that stage, I think would be quite hard. So guys, what's it like trying to find those new friends? I think hearing you talk about it, people at uni like don't tend to care in the nicest way possible. Like, they're more concerned about themselves and what they've got to do and where they've got to be, and they just don't... Obviously, in every walk of life, you're going to get people that are going to be 
a certain way about it. But you have to kind of make a choice. You're here at the end of the day. You've paid, what, nine grand to go to yep, uni? Nine, for, yeah. There are so much bigger things. I think people at that age are just focused on getting up on time and making sure they've got enough coffee in them to last the lectures. Like, they don't really care about anything else. With that, they're just quite easygoing. Like, they'll talk to you. Like, I've made loads of friends at uni. I've made some friends which I've been friends with and then thought, actually, do I want to be friends with them? Probably not. What I've found out and the biggest advice I'll give to you, it's not how many friends you've got, it's what they give. Because when I was in school, I think, Callum, you would say, mm. you said to me when I was in school, I was really popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't as well. You got um, very popular. Um, now I'm at uni. I'm not popular, but I have my friends. So there's that shift between being popular, but you need to actually find out who your friends are. At but uni, you can do that. I'm going to say, but also when you've got members in uni, you're not at school, you're not at college, you're in uni with people aged 18 to... 60, like, and, and is, we're all adults at that point. I've seen a few elderly people doing work. I thought that was a bit random, but, you know, you can do it. But, like, in my um course, most of us are 18, 19, but there are a few people in their 20s in there. Some bits of adults, no-one cares at that point. You're all mature. Yeah, one of my best friends is 20. She lives in a, um, the block next to me. We're on the same course. She's 20, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't realise it. The amount of time she goes out drinking and stuff, you wouldn't realise that she's older than us. But it's weird how the dynamic changes because you tend to associate with people that are your age. With you, yeah. that kind of just goes out the window. Yeah, you end up just mixing, don't you? Yeah, and you call your lecturers by their like first name. You don't yeah. do the whole sirs, miss thing. So mm-hmm. it's more like that they're friends or almost give you guidance rather than teach you. Everything you is controlled by you. You can leave lecture in the middle. You can leave in the middle of a lecture. No one's gonna question it. Like you can walk in half an hour late, seen it many times. No one pulls you up on it. I mean, I did that midway for a lecture, and when I turn my chair on, it beeps, so everyone turns round and looks at you, and it's like, oh gosh. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. everything is controlled by you. Like you're fully independent. I didn't actually realise that you could t- like turn up late, and they wouldn't tell you things because when I'm late at school. Obviously, they, they look at Yeah. Get, you get put in the removal room. Yeah. I'm generally late once or twice a day. Gen- generally. That's that's on a good day. Don't pull that face, Lewis. Yeah, You've been late way more than that. I don't think there's a lesson I've been on time to. Yeah. The only lesson I'm on time to is art, because that's, that's the only lesson I'm, like, really, like, pay attention to and enjoy it as much. That's it. I mean, quick tip with that when you're at uni, they don't... Well, in my uni, it might be different across the scope, but in my uni, they don't mark your attendance for lectures. Um, The only thing that you're marked on is your attendance to seminars, because lectures at my uni are often recorded, which is great, but it also means that you get a third of the actual students showing up to the lectures, because some of them are at 9am on a Monday, and if they're recorded, no one really sees the point when you can just do it from bed. But they do record your attendance for seminars so if and when you decide to go to uni don't worry so much on lectures if they're recorded i shouldn't really be saying this as a uni student Uh but Uh we get recorded on attendance whenever yeah so like for us it's so different you have to like in the there, you get given a little code you gotta put it in your phone and if you don't see the code obviously if you're not there then kind of screwed 
Well, it's a very different time of life, just even those couple of years between school and university, because obviously as university, as you say, Milo, you would probably be studying something you really are interested in. And also you're paying a lot of money to be there. So you're going to want to go to those lessons, I suppose. Um, What about Freshers Flu? I need to know this because Freshers Week is just absolutely a huge part of university life and in terms of socials that is so important isn't it so talk us through your experiences what was it like because I expect there's probably quite a lot of apprehension around it for me I'm a bit of a social butterfly so freshers for me was great um the only issue that I really had was that um the uni did these tickets where you paid a certain amount of money and you got the whole week full of events but a lot of those events were in clubs and not all the clubs were always accessible. And I remember when I went to get my wristband for Freshers Week, the guy that was selling them tried to convince me to buy the wristband. And I was like, well, what's the point if I can't get to half the clubs? And he was like, no, but your friends are going. And I was like, yeah, but I'm not going to pay like 50 quid for something that's worth 20 quid. It's not. But you find ways around it, like Freshers was Freshers. I'm not going to go into too much detail because, as you'd like to know, my mother is in the room. But yeah, freshers, freshers was good. I'm I'm literally the opposite. Like, because it's my worst nightmare. I hate socialising. I'm my own enemy when it comes to like socialising. I'm so introverted. So I mean, I do some stuff, but I don't do all the clubbing and that. Kind of regret not doing it, but hey. You've got, you've got years to make up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've got more confident, like, since going to, like, seven um, lectures and that, made friends through that and whatnot, but like, actually clubbing and that wasn't my thing. Clubbing. Yeah, that's an experience. Clubbing's an experience, especially... Um, I think people tend to underestimate when you go clubbing and, like... So we went to a club called Lola Lowe's, which is in Reading. And it was jam-packed. And I think people tend to underestimate when you're at this height, because you're in a certain height at a wheelchair, you can see everything that's kind of going on around you. And you get the atmosphere, but when there's people, like, you literally cannot move. And clubbing's good, but, I mean, when you can't move and everyone's trying to buy you drinks, you're like, I can't I can't do with this. But, yeah, no, clubbing's really, really good. Um, it was really, really fun. We did quite a few different clubs, quite a few different drinks which is a bit crazy, but I can see my mum's face, so I'm going to be quiet right now. Uh, have you um, have you done crowd surfing in your wheelchair yet? Not yet, but that is on my list of things to do. You've got to get you doing it ASAP. I'm doing that at Reading when I go, go next year. Well, if you go next year, you might bump into me, because Reading is obviously where I live. Oh, yeah, good point, actually. Just don't fall out. <laughs> don't fall out. <laughs> to be fair, I actually don't have a seatbelt, so probably not. Is that what I mean? Make sure you don't fall out. Has anyone asked you about your disabilities while you've been there? Have they been interested, wanted to know so that they can support you, whether that's friends or, or lecturers or staff around the uni? Um, lecturers, yeah, but no one else really. Everyone just gets on with it, like, yeah, cool, yeah. People don't really, obviously you have the exceptions, but people don't tend to see your disability. Like, they don't make a big deal out of it. One of my really good friends, Alex, her auntie's in a wheelchair and when we first met, she was like, can I do this for you? Can I do that for you? And I was like, 
no, I'm good. And when we actually got to an understanding, she'll just see me like anyone else and then she'll take the mick out of me, but in a way that is kind of playful when we get on, like we get on like our house on fire. But then it's things like when we went out, my mate was like, wait, can't you just go up the stairs? And then I literally just looked at her and she was like, oh, yeah, sorry about that, forgot that. (laughs) And it's just things like that where people aren't afraid to say things, but people don't necessarily forwardly ask about it. What has been the hardest part of university so far? The financials. Yeah. (laughs) My bank account is not looking healthy. I lasted a week on two pounds. I'm all right then, I've not done that yet. Yeah, I lasted a week (laughs) on two pounds. Probably because I spent too much money on food and coffees and things like that. Yeah, that that was a low point. So I think with uni, everything's a learning curve. You learn to budget. Like I've got a lot of freezer foods that you can yep. shove in the freezer when you buy them and cook them whenever. You've got an air fryer, you've got paper plates, so you don't have to do washing up. Because everything is like at a price. I went to the shop and I genuinely was excited over the fact that I was buying bleach and Dettol. And you realise at that point that you're actually getting older. So yeah, that that was a very weird experience for me because I was like, why am I getting excited over buying cleaning products? Yeah, I never realised how expensive food was. My first food shop, I bought, I mean, I was saying your average food shop spent about 70 quid and that's when I realised my poor parents paying for four people. Mm. Yeah, but like inflation as well now at the moment I know but still even I'm not going to lie to you I'm a bit addicted to Monster and even like Monster is like one can is like five quid that's what I'm saying when I did um, my I did I managed to get in to do a um, mock trial sorry up in Fleet Street I managed to represent my uni and the night before I did not get a minute's sleep because me and my partner, I stayed over at my partner's house in Oxford and we went up on the train together to Landmark Chambers up in London and did a mock trial. And I believe I drank three monsters and three coffees and didn't have a minute's sleep. Well, that's smart, isn't it? Because when you're like that, you've got a lot of work to do and you don't really have time to sleep. Um, But the amount of sleep I got after that was amazing. But yeah, I understand how monsters and coffees is an addictive thing, especially when you don't have time to sleep. Did your client get found guilty? So it was more that we had 12 minutes each to present our arguments. Got you. And whichever had the more succinct, convincing argument kind of won as such. But none of the, what I found as well, which is an interesting thing, neither me or the group I was against got through. The um, universities that did get through were Oxford and Cambridge and things like that, so none of the non-Russell groups got through. I think at one point we were against Eton. They got through. Bloody hell. Um, politicians. Yeah, exactly, bloody politicians. But, um, but yeah, so it, it was a crazy experience and something i definitely do again, I mean... I did enjoy the pastries, complimentary of the landmark chambers. It's cool that you went up against it, though. Yeah. And you were challenging, like, elite universities and stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, it, w- yeah, it was certainly an experience. It was a lot of work. I remember phoning mum on multiple occasions, being like, I'm a first year, why did I sign up for this? And I think the thing that made it so different was I was actually the first first year that had um, made it through to go to this competition. They don't usually give it to first years, but when I did my interview application to go forward for this competition, I actually signed up for a different competition and they were like, we really like you, can, can you do this one? And me wanting to get my teeth into pretty much anything and everything, it was like, yeah, why not? And then I didn't realise that it would be like a full-time job trying to get it done. But it's definitely an experience and it's something that I can put on my CV now and be like, I've been up to landmark chambers and I've shown them that I'm proactive in what I want to do. So it's definitely something that I'd do again, but maybe when I've got a bit less work on Oh, so cool in like the first term you've been there and having that opportunity how about you Callum in terms of the actual course like are you enjoying that are you feeling development yeah I enjoy it but it's, it's quite hard it's mainly uh, well actually they, they taught us the wrong way around so that didn't help I mean I found that out but besides that yeah no I enjoy it it's just like cause right now so I do a foundation year so right now I'm not really doing marketing as such I'm doing like business and getting your head around all the business terminology and stuff is a nightmare, but I do enjoy it. There's a lot of essays to write and whatnot. Had to write about the range, which is really hard to research. Range is in the shop. The shop, yeah. Yeah, I'm my fault. I chose to do it and I regret it. Everyone else did like M&S or Shell or BP and all the big companies. I decided to do the range and realised that was a horrible idea. I tell you what, the price of textbooks doesn't get any cheaper as you go up to uni, I can tell you that much. I think I spent over £250 on textbooks. What? Yeah, it, it doesn't get cheaper, but I guess with the type of degree you've got, mm. depends on how many textbooks you need. But like Callum said before, uni's very, you do what you've got to do. Like, no one's going to do it for you if you don't turn up to lectures, no one will chase you, no one will, will call your parents... Mm. At the end of the day, uni is what you put into it and what you get out of it. At the yeah. end of the day, it's you're not going to have it handed to you on a silver platter. You've got to go out and look for it. They won't give you... When you do research, they won't give you places to research. You have to go and research yourself. You have to credit your sources properly. It's very independent, and also they expect you to be able to buy the books and stuff. So then that links in with financials because I'm a spender. So I've had to learn to try and calm that down a little bit with the amount of textbooks that I've had to buy. But they expect you to be able to budget as well, which is a massive learning curve when you go to uni because you think you can handle it before you go there. You think, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. And then when you're actually there and you're left on your own for the first day, it's like, all right, do I sink or swim? And you've got to kind of find your way about because no one's going to be there to kind of pick you up. Now, obviously, that means you've got, like, support and stuff, but... No one's going to be at your back and call like your parents would usually make sure you've done your homework or your assignments. No one's there, especially when they live as far as like your parents do away mm-hmm. from you, Callum, or my parents live, even though it's not as far, they can't come up all the time. So you've got to have that kind of self-discipline, which I've struggled with recently, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm so bad. Procrastination. Worst enemy. My last assignment I did until... When did I finish it? At 4am... On Wednesday night, which would be Thursday morning, because I knew I was coming back here on Friday. So, 
That was good fun. I remember messaging you and being like, I've got this assignment to do. And he was like, I'm literally doing an assignment right now. Yeah. And it was like 1 or 2 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. Lewis, how different does this sound to kind of where you're at at college in terms of like some of the pressures? Does it sound different or can you relate to some of it? Um, I mean, it's obviously on a bigger scale, but I can definitely relate to quite a bit because I'm not going to lie to you, my, not attendance, but my work ethic at college isn't where it needs to be. Uh, I do procrastinate quite a bit. So I can see like where they're coming from and stuff like that. And like the pressure I get from college is like, whoa, okay. Like it's it's a big step up, especially from secondary school. So I can't imagine what it's like being at uni when it's a lot more. For instance, I'm quite bad with my assignments at college. I'm behind on like three. Um, and yeah, I need to catch up on them. But um, I've been told by people at college that if I don't, then well, worst comes to worst, I'll get kicked out. So I'm going to try and try and get it done because I don't want to get kicked out at the end of the day because it's something I want to do. I want to, I want to do my course. I want to get the job I want. And yeah, it's like I've had that realization that oh god, okay, this is getting real now. If I, if I don't, then well, it's my own fault. I need to I need to lock it in. What was the biggest shock, or to to maybe yeah maybe the biggest shock to you about going to uni? Maybe something that Milo and Lewis should probably say it was almost advice for their future planning. Is there anything you've thought that that took me by surprise about going to university? There's quite a few things, but I've had to meet a whole new bunch of carers, which is like I said before, I'm quite a social butterfly, but. With carers, it's different because they're helping you with more intimate stuff. And say, I've got an hour and a half a.m. and p.m. And you've got a list of things that they have to do. And it almost never gets done because of the amount of time that you've got. And it's kind of how you prioritise the time. What else have I struggled with, Callum? Mm, Yeah, PAs is a good one that I met. I have a team of PAs now. I'm used to them now, but first days... Getting to know them, that was interesting. Which is weird, I mean, for me at least, because I'm essentially the boss, that I employ them, so... As well as doing, like, my own life and whatnot, I'm technically managing four people as well. I mean, I have someone that helps me, like, a company, but I have to give the A-OK and stuff, like, pay and leave and sorting out and travel and all sorts. It's a whole big thing. But like, yeah, I enjoy it. It gives you independence. What else is the big shock? Well, weirdly, Plymouth is not very accessible. I mean, it's accessible, but the drop curbs, they're not considered drop curbs where we're from. They're like, they could be curbs. Walking around the city of Plymouth and being like, you need to get off this pavement where the drop curb there is. <clears throat> that looks like a curb to me. Break my wheelchair doing it. Well, it's been really interesting learning all about what you've been up to and the independence you've kind of found. Um, we'll be back very soon on Taking the Diss with our team. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye. See you later. Thank you for listening to Taking the Diss, a podcast from the Knights Foundation. You can also follow us on Instagram and X. Just search for Taking the Diss Pod.